Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. Okay, let's take a look here. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for giving us a church, even the spirit-filled. Thank you for giving us a community of people that are hungry, that embrace the person of the Holy Spirit. We understand, Father, that Jesus is not here. He's on the right hand of the Father. You're not here. You're, you're in the heavens. But, but the Holy Spirit, the third part of your being, he is here with us. And so always accused of evil things, being called the devil and being rejected and neglected. But in this place, we celebrate the person of the Holy Spirit. And we love the Holy Spirit so much because he is the one that reveals to us Jesus. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing to us Jesus today. Give us revelation and understanding in your word. And we thank you for your anointing and for your presence and for your life in Jesus' name. We pray the blessing of God upon this word. Everybody listening on podcasts, everybody watching on television or on social media, let them be blessed today by your word, your presence, your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Hallelujah. We don't have Pastor B here today on the piano. Are you going to play with us? You got to get some practice there. And we don't have Nikos on the journey. We got to get some practice here. Please don't play when I'm reading verses. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run their very best to win, but only one receives the prize? Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Amen. We pray that this race that you began, that you will finish, and that you will Continue your faith walk, continue your faith race with the intention to finish. Amen. And we do believe that you guys are winners, that you guys will go all the way with the Lord. Amen. A little bit of pass and review. Authority in the church is an apostolic structure. Now, we talked about authority because we said that in order for you to run the race legally and to run the race successfully and fruitfully, God has given you coaches, just like any athlete would have coaches. So you have apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, and they're there to coach you, not to rule or control you, but to coach you. And we need our coaches, amen. Anyone that doesn't listen to their coach usually ends up a train wreck, amen. So now authority in the church, these coaches, 
is an apostolic structure, meaning that it comes from the head down. Paul in Hebrews said, don't complain about the coach's involvement in your life. He said, receive them, work with them without complaining. Amen. Like Aaron, like Miriam, they complained and griped and murmured about the role that God had in the life of, of the people of Israel. That is called discipleship. The coaching is called discipleship. So don't reject that discipleship. Amen. But we also talked about last time that we understand how this has been abused in some circles. How authority and discipleship and ministry leadership has been abused. So I have shared with you last couple weeks, there are three keys to avoid being abused in this uh, discipleship process, in this apostolic church authority structure. Number one, as the Bible said, to follow their faith, not their lifestyle and not their opinions. Amen. We discussed how a lot of circles people would dress like the pastor, talk like the pastor, act like the pastor, look like the pastor, and they are following their style. So we do not want to follow opinions. We want to follow the word of God. Amen. Last night, one of the pastors tried to, uh, one of the leaders of the, of the Philippine church asked me, he said, do you believe once saved, always saved? And I said, oh, Lord Jesus, here we go. Please don't do this four o'clock in the morning, you know. And he's like, no, this is serious. This is serious. Do you believe once saved, always saved? And I said to him, I said, well, if I got born, if I went to church, came to an altar, I had to be so careful what I say. Every word has to be carefully said. I said, if you go to the altar, you say the sinner's prayer, you join membership class, get baptized, and then you uh, become a pastor, and then you renounce your faith, join the LGBT community, cut off your thing, exchange it for another thing, begin to worship Satan and sacrifice children. I said, then I don't believe you're saved. And he said to me, well, see, they were never saved in the first place. So I knew he was going to say that. That's why I didn't say if you're saved. I said if you said the sinner's prayer, if you were baptized. So we went through this whole thing like 4 o'clock in the morning, you know. And finally, we came to the conclusion of, you know, how many disciples do you have, sir? Right? <laughs> so how many disciples do you have? He said, None. We said, you know what, why don't we focus on the more important things that get some people saved, disciple some souls, and then we can talk about some theology, amen? Amen? Let's not look at the, at the tree, let's look at the fruits, amen? Amen. So anyways, we want to follow their, not their opinions, not their style, but we want to follow their faith. And I concluded with this brother, I said, listen, we could disagree on a lot of things. Matter of fact, your daughter will probably disagree with you on certain scriptures. So just because you disagree with people doesn't mean you can't have fellowship with them, amen? So your little question, whether we have a little different opinion, is really no problem. I believe you're saved because you're here praying eight hours straight in the middle of the night, amen? So no doubt in my mind, but don't worry about it. You're, I believe you're going to heaven, brother, amen? Hallelujah. So we don't want to follow people's opinions or their styles and maybe not even their pet doctrines but we really want to follow their faith amen 
Number two, we saw in scripture last week or last session that we need to examine their fruits. The Bible says to follow their faith considering their fruits. So we want to examine their fruits. Amen. If they don't have fruits in their life, then maybe we don't want to follow them. Hallelujah. Amen. And thirdly, and most importantly, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Amen. So in other words, if it does not line up with number one, the word of God, and then secondly, if it doesn't line up with godly counsel, then you don't want to follow that. Amen. I want you to remember this. You could actually tweet it. Soul mentoring will inevitably be perverted. Perverted. Soul mentoring will inevitably be perverted. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 says this. Where no counsel is, the people fall. Amen. Somebody say amen right there. If you don't have a coach, the Bible calls it pastor, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. If you don't have anybody counseling you, you will fall. Well, I'm just going to go to church online. Amen. Well, you a fool. The first banana to leave the bunch is the first one to get peeled. Amen. Where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude, you see the balance? I'm not just going to follow Kibaloi. Hallelujah. I'm not just going to follow David Koresh. Hallelujah. But where there's a multitude of counselors... There is safety. I could imagine sitting in David Koresh's Seventh-day Adventist church down there in Waco, Texas. And all of a sudden, he gets up one day and says he's Jesus. Oh, that sounds a bit strange. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. I have a multitude of counselors. Let me call Pastor So-and-so and tell him what Dave has been preaching on Sunday. Amen. Amen. So where there's a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Hallelujah. So you have to have two or three witnesses. The word of God, number one, being the ultimate. And then two other godly, trusted counselors who also have fruit that you can stay balanced with. Amen. This is how you avoid being abused in these circles. But what does apostolic teaching teach on authority in government? So now that we've finished, concluded, and reviewed church authority and church, what does the Bible say about apostolic teaching? What did the apostles teach about government? Let's take a look at government. Number one, Tiberius, during the Roman Empire, was the second Roman emperor. Nero was from about 37 AD to about 68 AD. Nero was born near Rome on the 15th of December, 37 AD. Through his mother, Agrippina, he was the only surviving direct male descendant of the Emperor Augustine. So we understand that the apostles were risen up and, and raised up by God and used by God during the time of the Roman Empire, namely that some of those early core years was under Nero. First, Nero was the Caesar he was the Caesar to whom Paul appealed when he was unjustly accused by the Jews. 
and he was falsely imprisoned. Let's take a look here at Acts chapter 25 and verse 11. Acts 25, 11, and take a look at this very quickly. I want you to understand the political temperature of the situation here in Rome during the founding of the church. As you understand here in China, we are in the middle of an economic war with the West. We are in the middle of a geopolitical war with the West. We are also in the middle of uprisings in Hong Kong. And we are also in the middle of religious, uh, just because I'm on TV, I will say it in a very pro-party way. The new religious restrictions to help harmony in the society. Amen. So now we understand that, and the nation that we live here in, or some of you visiting in China, that it has been deemed in the party's best uh, interest to protect themselves from uh, infiltration of subversion through religion. So in order to protect subversion through religion, we understand there's the closing down of most churches uh, that are unregistered, and now we even know they're closing down the locations of the registered churches here. So we understand that some people, Christians, might be very uncomfortable with this situation. But here in China, it is not as bad as it was in Rome. Amen. Some people don't realize that there are places in the world, there are countries not very far from us, where we are right now, where it is very, very bad for Christians, where they are being killed. Not as, maybe not, not, not as tortured as much as they did in Roman Empire, but they are being beheaded quite frequently all along, along the Muslim world. So we understand that the early church was born in this environment, Amen. And it says here in Acts chapter 25, verse 11, it says, Paul says here, or we can start at verse 10. Then Paul, then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat. This was the Caesar Nero. Amen. Some of you guys who don't know who Nero is, if you've ever been to Little Caesars, this is guy with the big nose, pizza, pizza. That is... Why are you laughing? <laughs> and I'm, uh, that's the Caesar, amen. This is Caesar. Nero, that was Nero. So then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong as thou very well knows. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal to Caesar. So you see, Paul is appealing to Nero here. Amen. Amen. So this apostle was taken to Rome, kept under guard for two years. And in Acts 28.30, we see this here. Turn over a few chapters of verse 28. Chapter 28, verse 30, and let's take a look at this here. During these two years, hallelujah. It says, Paul, during this time, he dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that 
came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Hallelujah. We are praying that we will be able to preach right here in Beijing with all confidence, no man forbidding us. Hallelujah. Amen. Regardless of the situation and circumstance, we are praying for favor. Somebody say favor. Amen. Hallelujah. So now, Paul won his appeal. Only later on, unfortunately, he was condemned by the malevolent ruler Nero. And Nero beheaded Paul, and he had crucified Peter. This was the situation that the early church was born in. And this was the situation that the New Testament was written under. So you really have to understand this background to understand the weight of what apostolic teaching is towards government. Amen. Christians subject to Nero. How can this be? How could any Christian be subject to the murderer of their leaders? When Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, he admonished them. Look at Romans chapter 13, 1, just a few pages over. Look at what he, he admonished the Christians in Rome to do. This was not the Christians in, in Goa, Kerala, South India. These were the ones that were right in the heart of the source. These guys were in Beijing. Amen. Hallelujah. They were in Afghanistan, Kabul, somewhere. Amen. And look what he wrote to them. Hallelujah. Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now, I know in Narconics Anonymous, we say, oh, you know, we just rely on our higher power. And that could be their microwave or something that they pray to. This is not speaking of a deity. This is speaking of legal authorities as higher power. Amen. Let every soul be subject to the governmental authorities, to the magistrates, to the police. For there is no power but of God. So now Paul is saying that Nero and his cronies were of God. These guys who later on killed him, he's saying that they are of God. He said the powers that be were ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisted the power, resistance the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Isn't that something? For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. So you have to understand that the principal intention for there to be authorities and governments is to rule over terror, to rule over the bad guys. That is the original intention. However, authorities do get perverted. I come from Chicago. I know all about that. My, my uncle, Sal, was a police officer in Chicago, and he was with a lot of guys that got into a lot of, uh, lot of bad crimes in Chicago as police officers, and as a result, they had to resign from their jobs, and they were given other city jobs. Uh, during the time of Mayor Daley in Chicago. And they were given other jobs because there was a lot of black money going on. They were doing a lot of bad things. I don't want to say what was happening, but my uncle got caught up in that and he had to become, uh, he had to become a garbage dump 
uh, guy, from being a respected police officer because of the corruption that took place within the Chicago police force. So inevitably, powers can and do get corrupted. Do you hear me? But their intention here, Paul is dealing with the intention. Verse 3, the rulers are not a terror. They're not put there by God to be a terror, to be corrupt, to do these bad things, but for good works. But they're there for good works, but to be a terror to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, or by the same people you'll be praised. For he is the minister of God to thee. Speaking of Nero's wicked government, that they're the minister of God to thee. Amen. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that do evil. This is what the Apostle Paul taught about the man, government, and regime that cut off his head. This is what he taught. That crucified his brother, the Apostle Peter. This is what he taught. Civil government is for the ordering and protection of society. Laws are directed to the end that they should be obeyed. Now, let's look at what the Apostle Peter said, who was crucified by him. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, this is the man that was crucified by Nero. 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's look at what he said in verse 13 and 14. I get angry when I go on Facebook and I see ignorant Christians in America saying stupid things like we pray for the destruction of the, of the you know, you know, I don't want to say it, you know. The overthrow of Nero. We pray for the destruction of Rome, for the overthrow of Nero. Uh, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, I can't reshare that on my Facebook. I'll end up in jail, amen? And we shouldn't be praying like that. We should be praying for their salvation to encounter God. We should be blessing them, praying that they'll, they'll find the cults and they'll find the drug dealers, that they'll find the corruption that's happened eternally, that they'll meet Jesus Christ. We should be blessing them for, yes, for change, but not change meaning overthrow, but change meaning that they'll go the direction that God has ordained them to be in, in, in God's way. Amen. Amen. So let's look at what Peter says, 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Amen. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. I don't listen to no man but God. I've heard that a million times. I only listen to God, Pastor. I only listen to what the Holy Spirit tells me, Pastor. Well, you definitely are not a biblical Christian, that's for sure. Amen. Paul says right here, Peter, excuse me, verse 13. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to a king as supreme or to governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God. So is the will of God. Oh, pastor, I'm praying for to know God's will. Well, you got it right here. Here's the will of God. Submit to the authorities, submit to the police, submit to the laws of the land. Even the U.S. Embassy says, look, 
you come to China and you get arrested breaking some laws, we ain't coming to help you. You done broke the law. They're not coming to help you. Even the U.S. Embassy has the common sense to say that. Amen. One guy in our church, he got arrested by the police for, for uh, you know, teaching football without a visa and so forth. And he ends up in jail. And he asked me to go help him. I said, brother, I am with the U.S. Embassy. I'm on the same page as the U.S. Embassy. You broke the law. You got you to, gotta, you know, you got to just go to prison, do your time, and, you know, and just, you know, that's the counting the cost. Amen. So when we're talking about these guys were killed because they were breaking, breaking laws, but they were not breaking laws that was just, you know, not pertaining to God's mission. They were, they, were, they were obeying those laws. They were honoring those laws. They were only breaking laws that were concerning the preaching of the gospel. And so when it comes to choosing to preach the gospel or not, you know, you, you definitely always have to choose God's will. Amen. But they had to count the cost. And they had to be willing to pay the price for that. Amen. And they did pay the price. And the church was built on the blood of Paul. And on the blood of the martyrs. On the blood of Peter. That's how the church was built. Amen. We had to stop the recording at that point, but... You might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life. And I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way. Like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
you prayed that prayer, I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that could follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcast and just feed on the Word of God.